lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Sports Stars Managing Editor Chase Bryson, and I'm joined by co-host Ben Enos as we hurdle towards another big week playoff action. Ben, you were a road warrior last week. How was your weekend in Elk Grove, and did you run across any angry geese on the Delta Levee roads in your return to the Bay? Yes, hello everyone. It was a fantastic weekend in the EG in South Sacramento, where I was located all weekend long. Uh, I got nothing against geese, <laughs> except that they can be mean. You ever walk up on a goose while you're playing golf? They're not, they're not nice. Yeah. They like so, to hiss. Yeah. Same for turkeys. My theory here <laughs> is that all the wild turkeys in my neighborhood have taken shelter for the month because it's almost time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Chase, will you be calling the Butterball hotline for <laughs> cooking tips? I will not. I am. I'm not in charge of the turkey this year, so that's all right. Have you ever been in charge of the turkey? I've never been. Actually, I've I've been lucky so far. Me neither. We we do the stuffing because my uh, my wife's grandma has a uh, special family recipe. So, do you cook the tur- the stuffing inside the turkey? And if so, do you need to call the Butterball Hotline <laughs> for safe cooking tips? <laughs> uh, we cook part of it out and part of it in. Oh, you're one of those people people. people have choices okay all right fair fair you're you're ahead of the game thanksgiving talk is it for until next week chase i want to put up christmas lights okay (laughs) much debate in our house so as i mentioned at the top it's another big week of postseason action and it comes on the heels of a week 12 that brought plenty of surprising results ben which of the notable upsets from last week caused your eyebrows to jump this is an, this is an easy one. You know where I'm going. <laughs> I do. And I have some insider info that I'm happy to share with the good people. <laughs> the answer to this question is Turlock with a 51 to 50 win over St. Mary's of Stockton. I think we both and probably lots of other people too thought that we were cruising towards a fulsome St. Mary's Division 1 final in the SJS. Not so fast, my friend. From what I am told by someone who was at the game, Turlock came to town with a bevy of trick plays in their arsenal. And every time they looked for one, they executed. I think it's hard to fault that explosive offense of the Rams since they put up a 50 spot. But man, you got to credit the coaching job by James Peterson and the staff at Turlock. They were ready. They had their kids ready. And they pulled the upset. That's the biggest upset of the week to me. It's the biggest upset of the postseason so far to me. But there's still some meat on that bone. You got some good ones to choose from as well. For sure. I I agree with you. Anytime you take out the number three ranked team in the region, you're going to get top billing and upset talks. Uh, So props to Turlock on that. But in the Central Coast section, I I had made Los Gatos my lock of the week, only to see a spunky midi San Jose squad take them down 29 28 in overtime. Danny Sullivan, man, what a year his Monarchs are having. I thought they were leaking oil a bit down the stretch, but I guess there was still some fire in the tank because that was a really good win. Uh, they came from behind to do it. Um, and it's just another reminder of just how good that West Catholic Athletic League is. Big league chase. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, let's talk real quick about the games we were actually at. 
you got your first look at Central Catholic Modesto, and I think they made a pretty good impression. Ooh, lots to talk about. <laughs> lots to talk about from a 56-29 to 29 win at Monterey Trail. Uh, first things first, I thought Central Catholic was sharper at the start of the game, and that let the Raiders build a little bit of a lead. I think part of that is actually something I talked to uh, a supporter of the Mustangs program about after the game. They've been victimized a little bit by circumstance because of buys and forfeits. Monterey Trail only played two games between the start of October and Friday's playoff game. Man, it's hard to stay sharp that way. Uh, and so when they came out against a really good team, Central Catholic was really ready to roll and they took advantage. That's one side of the coin, but the other is, I mean, you've seen it. Central Catholic is really, really good. I wrote about Tyler Jacklitz for the Sports Stars website since he went for 288 and four scores, but it really felt like if they wanted to use Tyler Wentworth in the passing game, they could have. There were a couple drops, and I thought the play-action pass was there all night. I just walked away super impressed with the Raiders, and I'm telling you now, this week's game at Folsom is worth the price of admission. That is a big-time, huge game with two really, really good teams. So, while my game wasn't terribly close, I did learn a lot. You also took in a one-sided affair, but did you learn anything from Liberty's walloping of Amador Valley other than your odometer not having to work very hard? Uh, I... I don't know if I really learned anything. I, I thought Liberty definitely looked a lot better than the last time I saw them. The, the teams in my game weren't ranked, but it was still a clash of four versus five seeds and wasn't a bad game at all. I, I wouldn't call it a walloping. It was it was 28 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, so it wasn't terrible. Uh, Liberty had the best player on the field, though, and he plays quarterback. Nate Bell's been waiting three years for his first playoff start. He wasn't going to waste it. He threw for two scores. He rushed for two more. And they were more balanced offensively than the last time I saw them. I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're going to beat Clayton by any stretch, but they they'll, they can be in that game if they play as crisp as they did against Amador Valley. And I'll also say that Amador Valley has some really nice pieces to build on for next season. I especially like junior wideout Nate Jetter. He made some really nice catches for them. Danny Jones is a good coach. He is. Um, you know, uh, there's so we could spend all – show talking about game by game by game because there's so many good results and intriguing things that happened last week i do i mentioned this to you over the weekend but i want to make sure i get it a mention before we move on to our guest for the week but shout out to head coach ben ballard and his northgate broncos it's awfully hard to flip the script on your in-town rival in a playoff game after you lost to them in the regular season but that's what they did, beating Los Lomas 24-21 in NCS Division Three. So good on the Broncos, and congrats to a coaching staff that I like and respect very much. I mean, we could we got a ton of other stuff we could talk about. Should we talk about North State, North Coast section teams coming down here and getting easy wins in the Bay Area? Should, <laughs> should we talk about Sequoia's double OT win over Overfelt? Wood Creek beating Placer as an 8-over-1? Cap Christian over Casero. It it goes on and on and on. I'm too excited. <laughs> Just too excited. I tweeted out there were uh, in the top top five divisions of the Sac Joaquin section. There's at least one six seater higher that's in the semifinals. I love it. That's that's you know bracket busters assemble. Let's go. What it, would that have happened if? And don't tweet this. <laughs> if they'd gone with the computer. Oh boy. Ooh, dun dun dun. <laughs> 
Hal's fighting back lately, so we're not. <laughs> Hal's feeling <laughs> himself. Computers. <laughs> 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 If Hal anyway. starts listening to podcasts, we'll be in trouble. But for oh, now, yeah. I think we're okay. <laughs> the robots. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of droning on and on, <laughs> let's get back on track here. One game that went the way we thought it would was Wilcox of Santa Clara moving on to the CCS Division II semifinals with a 56-14 to 14 win over Lincoln of San Jose. To recap that game, talk a little bit about playoff bracketing theory which we love to do and look ahead to what's next. We caught up with chargers head coach, Paul Rosa for a quick chat. Let's hear what's new with the defending NorCal champs in Santa Clara. Now we'd like to welcome a guest to the show. who We both have spoke highly of before on this podcast. He's in his eighth season as the head coach at Wilcox high in Santa Clara. And he's already chalked up 11 playoff wins with the last one coming over Lincoln, San Jose in the first round of the CCS division two playoffs last Thursday. It's Chargers coach Paul Rosa. Welcome to 7 Friday Night, coach. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we'll get we'll get it started. Chase uh, mentioned it. It's a, a hearty 7 Friday Night. Congratulations for a 56-14 to 14 win over Lincoln of San Jose to get the CCS playoffs started. Now, the Chargers are certainly no strangers to the postseason, but we'll start by asking what pleased you the most about your opening round win as you get the playoffs underway. Uh, I think... One, just uh, on a short week, kind of how focused the kids were during the week. You know, you get one one less day to prepare, but our team was pretty focused and uh, took each day very seriously mentally and was ready to go on a short week. Uh, and the other thing, just how, how hard we played and how physical we played, uh, was pleased about that as well. So during last week's show, as we broke down the various playoff brackets that were released last Sunday, Ben made reference to Palma Salinas landing the eighth seed in Division One, and your team getting the golden ticket. That was his words. Obviously, I know you aren't going to call it that because there's still games to be won against good programs, but that eight seed, one seed bubble does make a big difference, especially with Sarah San Mateo having been as dominant as they are this season. How confident were you that it would break that way, and what were kind of your thoughts uh, last Sunday? Uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't confident at all that it would break. <laughs> uh, I don't think... Um... The way the system is now with all the way the points are and how you get into the playoffs, there's really no way of knowing where you're going to land until the, you get to that meeting, which I, which I think is a good thing, right? Um, especially when you're on the bubble of one of those, whether you're the eight or the one seed in the next division. Um, I, I'm, I've always been against the way that it is. I just don't think any system that where – maybe even losing a game or, you know, doing not as well as maybe you would like actually helps you. Right? Uh, <laughs> right. I don't, any system where losing helps your seed, I think is a bad system. Um, and I've, I've said this, you know, I've had it go both ways where, you know, we've, we were, we've won our league um, and then gone and lost to Sarah in the semifinals or, you know, a, a a different private school. And then Los Gatos, for example, has one CCS in the division below where last year is the pretty much the opposite where they won the league. And then we ended up winning the division below. Um, I just think if, if they were going to make a, a system, it should be more of, 
if you're in a certain division, you play your playoffs in that division as well. Um, you you can't just jump divisions, uh, you know, for the when they do the seeding. So I, I don't know what that is. I mean, I've proposed some things in the past. Um, I just, like I said before, anytime I think where you lose a game or drop a game and it actually helps your seeding, I, I don't think it's a good system. From the outside looking in to walk away from a, you know, you have this huge game in the middle of the year that everyone figures will be the league title game between you guys and Los Gatos. And you walk out maybe the better of that situation. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm totally with you. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, and it's not, and uh, me and coach Crail have talked about it before because it happens. It's happened both ways. So yeah. it's not a, you know, I just think they got to really look at it and figure out a way to, it, it's bet there. There's some good things about it in the sense of, like if you really look at the brackets, they're pretty competitive brackets, right? Like you, like our bracket is, is there, there's four or five teams that could win the bracket. I mean, it's not guaranteed that one team's going to win it. Um, and it's just, I just think if you, you can do it in a way to where you know that these group of teams are in this division and they can't drop down to a different division. Um, and then the second group of teams drop down to a different division, right? If you're a B league school or something like that, you don't play a teams in the playoffs, you know, right. stuff like that. That makes sense. Obviously this is the same situation that you guys found, found yourself in last year. And there's of course a lot to remember from last year's NorCal title team, but I'm curious at this point, how you compare this year's team to last year's team. And are there any similarities with this group to last year's team? I would say it's really hard to compare teams and, you know, um, from years, even if it's just a year ago, uh, just because the teams that you're playing are different, right? You're not last year's teams that we play like this division this year is in division two, which we were in last year is a lot different than it was last year. I, I think, um, there, this division this year is a lot stronger, um, than comparison last year but the team itself i would say uh, the similarities are you know obviously we're, we're all in the same program so they have kind of the same work ethic some of the same kids are on the team from last year that both teams really work hard um do what we ask in the program uh i'd say the differences is more like we had one kid last year luther glenn um wh which we really leaned on heavily this year is more of we got different guys every day kind of doing something to help us win. Uh, we're a little more spread out in that sense. Who's really stepped up. I mean, who's, who's kind of this, uh, who's kind of the alpha on, on this team that, that kind of helps make it, make it tick. Uh, I think there's a multiple guys on defense. Jeremiah Lewis, who's a, who's a returning linebacker was a sophomore starter for us last year. He's, he's taken a big step forward and not only leadership, but, his play on the field. Um, Santiago Mays is a D lineman. He, he's not going to have a ton of stats, but when you're down in the trenches there, he's a guy that you really, you know, you can't move. He keeps your linebackers free. Uh, Romeo Castillo is another guy who plays defensive end for us. Same type of thing. Um, and then, you know, our special teams guys have, like uh, Maliti Saleh, he's had some, some big games where, you know, he kind of really shows what he can do. And it's really only his 
second full year of playing football. He's a soccer guy, so he, he's really just learning the game, but a very good athlete. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I would say, you know, Armand Johnson is, is a returning quarterback, which helps a lot. And he's he's definitely grown physically. Um, and the more games you play, the better you are mentally. So I think he's come a long way, uh, along with our two running backs, Elijah Walker and Andrew Palacios. That, you know, they kind of in our in our split back veer offense, you know, they're getting the majority of the touches. Oh, and our own line, obviously, our own line has, has been really good. So uh, just kind of like I said before, more of a spread out, not just one guy type of thing. When you run the offense that you do, the own line is about as key as it gets, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Coach. So this week you guys host a Bellarmine team that has been up and down the season while battling the injury bug. They're playoff tested, though, having reached the Division One semifinals last season. What do you know about them? What do you expect will be the key this Friday? Um, I know they play in the best league in the section and they're, uh, well, you know, every year they're a, a force to be reckoned with, you know, their, their storied history. Um, so anytime you play anybody in that league, it, it's a game and they, they've been on the rise the last few years. I know they got a new coach, I believe last year or two years ago. Um, and he, I know they had a, they kind of had a, a I don't know, an up year after the the new hire and they've been doing really well. And I mean, just being 500 in that league is a great year. So I think uh, no matter what, you know, you, you got to be prepared for a physical team, a smart team, well-coached team. I just, you know, it, it should be a really good matchup. You don't even need to go 500 in that league to be a number two seed in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's true. There's a, a but it, it's if you're really seeding by how good teams are, it's probably correct. I mean, yeah. that league is too. Uh, I mean, they probably came in fourth or fifth place still, but that, but you know, that's how the league is set up. And uh, when you have power leagues, that's what's going to happen. Sometimes your fourth or fifth place team is going to be top ten team in the section. So right, yeah. Well, that'll do it on, on our end. Wilcox heads into the second round of the playoffs this week. And if you want to check the Chargers out, plan to be in Santa Clara on Friday for a 7 p.m. kickoff. Thanks again, Coach, for taking the time, and good luck this week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Good luck. Thank you. We'll see you guys. All right. Bye. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Thanks again to Coach Rosa for joining us. Ben, you and I have already talked about that Bellarmine Wilcox tilt. I'm guessing we'll have more to say on it during our Thursday Pick'em Show, but that's going to be a really good contest. Now, we transition to our weekly hangout with Coach Terry Edson. Naturally, we get his thoughts on De La Salle's matchup with Pittsburgh for the North Coast Section Open Championship this Friday, as well as what his most memorable upset win with the Spartans was. Here we go. 
Well, we once again welcome the third member of our crew. It's former De La Salle coach, current De La Salle consultant, and everyday renaissance man, Coach Terry Edson. Terry, today's burning question to start us off involves last Friday night. Did you temporarily black out when Logan High's Anthony Dugwittis returned the opening kickoff 95 yards to the house? It did bring back some bad memories, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, I was not expecting that. But also, I wasn't expecting when I watched the replay on the iPad that the refs are going to allow two of our guys to literally get tackled, literally tackled uh, on our kickoff team. So if you're going to tackle guys, you got a good chance of getting a kick return. So there you have it. You saw the rest of the night. Everything was inside the 20. So a brief lapse of uh, – concentration by the Spartans but it was, it was a great the kid took off I mean he did he did a great job so um I'll give him credit for that but I'll, I'll also give the credit to the kickoff team for bouncing back and that was the last time that happened so that was good too I was considering searching the police blotter for angry man on top of tall building <laughs> but no well it was just the old, it was the, if it was one that took the lead in the fourth quarter you would see something like that but since <laughs> it was the opening kickoff and it took all of 12 seconds i thought we had plenty of time to come back from that but uh one thing you will notice you know and i'm noticing it yesterday and watching the nfl it's gonna be interesting now because the weather gets colder and the ball doesn't fly as far you're going to see a lot more kick returns in the nfl you're going to see a lot more returns coming up in the next six or seven weeks Whereas before guys are kicking it out of the stratosphere. Now, I, I just saw it yesterday. There's way more kick returns than I'd seen all year. So you're going to start seeing that. So special teams are going to play a huge part in the NFL coming up as we get towards the end of the season here. Well, the as you referenced, the climate is turning colder. And if the temperatures are dropping, then it's that time of the year. It's NCS title time. And we've been waiting all season for this one. De La Salle plays Pittsburgh on Friday night at Dublin High for the title of best team in the universe. Or maybe just NCS Open Division champion. Take your pick. Terry, you've spent your time, your share of time in this matchup. What are the keys to the game in a De La Salle-Pittsburgh NCS final? Yeah, that's a great question. Step one, no explosion plays. That's uh, something that I was always cognizant about as, as a coach. So no explosion plays on their special teams. And the kids have to understand that anytime you're going to kick a ball to Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh's got a football in their hand, they have athletes that can go all the way in, you know, in one play. So my thing was when I, you know, I blitzed a little bit when I played Pittsburgh, but uh, my main goal was uh, the Patrick Mahomes uh, strategy is keep the ball in front of you, make them drive it down the field. That is something that um, a guy like Jaden Rashada, who's an All-American quarterback, uh, does not like. He likes to let it rip, and you got to you know keep them in check. Um, and the way you can help keep them in front is too. You got to. The thing is as well because they're going to play four wideouts. So here's the key of the game. Step one, you have to stop the run. Because uh, if you can't stop the run, then you got to start moving guys up uh, into the line. And that will cause you problems. Or you have to play more man. And that will cause you problems in your secondary on, on the throw. So 
That is number one. We got to stop the run. I really believe that Delisal with the uh, Chase Tofiano back for sure. <laughs> I thought that he was going to be back at Clayton. He was practicing Clayton week, but he was, they weren't quite ready to clear him to play. He did play uh, against Logan, and I thought he did it for his first game out. It was causing a lot of havoc in the defensive line. So now you got Chase, and now you also have Cooper Flanagan on the defensive line together. That is an issue if you're an offensive line. So just having Chase in there uh, gives a big boost to uh, our defensive line. He is a problem. He was a problem for Logan, <laughs> and uh, it, it doesn't matter. He's going to be a problem for anybody in this area. I mean, he's just a really good defensive player. Obviously, he's been uh, on the varsity since the playoffs his freshman year, so uh, he's a great little player, and uh, he's going to off Pittsburgh some problems. So that's where it's got to start um, is stop the run. And then second thing, we've always had success over the years. And, and if Delisal wants to win the game, they have to get pressure with four guys. Uh, if they cannot get pressure with our with a four-man line, that's going to be an issue as well. So that's the key of the game. Stop the run, get pressure with four guys. If we can do that and play predominantly zone, maybe uh, uh, what, we, you know, what I call two-man, which is uh, man under, two deep, if we can do that, um, then we can have success defensively. And on the offensive side, I mean, let's just face facts. We're not a great throwing team. I mean, after 11 games, it's pretty established. We're, we, we, we throw it, but we're not a great throwing team. Cooper Flanagan's been a great uh, target for us all year, and we have hit some deep balls. But we're going to you know, move the ball with, with Charles Greer. Uh, running the ball, Cooper on a little some throws. Um, we you know we have some capable receivers. Jonathan Guerrero, you know, has had some uh, great moments here in, in league play. Uh, J.C. Romo is also a capable receiver, and Journey McCoy. So for us to have success, it comes down to this: Journey McCoy, Charles Greer, Cooper Flanagan, Derek Thompson. Um, and Powers, those got those are the guys. They're going to lead us to victory. If they have good games, we got a shot. If those guys don't show up, it's not going to go well for the Spartans. I'm actually curious. Do you and your fantasy football partner, Pittsburgh coach Victor Galley, go radio silent during this week? Oh, no, uh, he's or is it back and forth? No, no he's well. We 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 don't talk that much during the week. That much. He's already crying the blues to me already. <laughs> Stop it right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's always done that. You know, I just want to keep it close. I just want to make it a good game. It's like, okay, here we go. Yeah, so. I think we've heard this line before. Uh, well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be at the game, boys. <laughs> what? I'm getting that award that you guys mentioned well, right. a while You're back. Going to Baltimore. Wow. Going to Baltimore. Yeah. So wow. I'll be watching it on be uh, streaming it. I'll be streaming it. Yeah. Because the three hour time difference, but I mean, I usually have to sleep by 10, 10 30. So, well, I might make it a quarter. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> who knows? I can tell you that right now. I'm not a night owl anymore. So there's a key to the game matching the unbridled intensity of a coaching consultant. Can De La Salle do that? <laughs> find out. So, yeah, uh -huh. that's, that's going to be the story. 
Well, so I mentioned briefly that this game is being held at Dublin High, which means that NCS is going back to uh, neutral venues for championship games. Which I think that's great. That's the question. It's uh, You've had the opportunity to coach these big games at a number of neutral sites. Do you like seeing them at neutral venues rather than host sites? Oh, I, I definitely, for championship games, for sure. Um, uh, I, re, you know, I, I, I think, you know, as you got to look at the stadiums too, um, you know, De La Salle is, is a great, a great football stadium, but if you're NCS, you got to start thinking about seating and, and this is probably going to be a pretty crowded game. So, I mean, as seating goes, Dublin high is better seating, uh, than De La Salle high school. So. You know, I've I've no I've never played a championship game at De La Salle High School, so I'm not sure even know what th- what that feels like. We've always played either at um, Coliseum, we played at Berkeley one year, which was a great little site, and we played at Dublin the rest of the time. So that's what I'm normally used to playing. So I think that's right. I, I think that's fair, and so I'm glad to see that they're doing that. All right. Finally, we opened the show talking about a few of the many upsets that took place across NorCal last week. De La Salle was probably favored in about 90% of its games over your career. But what would you list among your most memorable upset wins? I have a feeling I know one of them, but. Uh, an upset win, my most memorable. Um, wow. That's a good question. Well, obviously, uh, 98, playing in Anaheim Stadium modern day when. You know, everyone thought like, okay, and the st- we had the streak, and it's the first time we're playing a Southern California power, and um, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Uh, we were, I think, I thought we were pretty much—I wouldn't say huge underdogs. We played Long Beach Poly that first time, but one of my favorite games that everyone forgets about, um, and um, I think I've mentioned to you guys this before, it was the coming out party of De La Salle High School, I believe is when we went down to San Jose and played Bellarmine um, in uh, 85 and won that game 37-14. And that was the beginning of um, – because Bellarmine was obviously a NorCal power since the 60s. And when we handled them in that game, um, that kind of let people know that, you know, De De La Salle is – even though we'd won North Coast, right, we won 12-0 in 82 – but when we took on Bellarmine like that, when that game, I think that was one of the most surprising upsets that, that people didn't realize how good Spartans were. And I think the program got started in 82, but, you know, we lost the first round in 83. So that, I guess that was, yeah, I think 84, 85, we won that game. Um, that really started the program going off on an ascent in NorCal. Well, that'll, uh, that'll do it for today, but, we're already looking forward to Thursday's pick show because the amount of dumb football we saw over the weekend seems to be at an all time high. So I think people should look forward to that. Uh, I didn't know. Is there enough time? I don't know. Do we have enough tape roll? I don't know. I'll, I'll try to keep it concise, but there's so much. It's just incredible. All right, Costa. We'll see you on Thursday. All right, boys. See you. Another fine session with Coach Edson. I hope his Baltimore hotel has thick walls 
or there could be a few complaint calls to the front desk. Your, your, our phones are going to be destroyed on Friday <laughs> night. I'm telling you now, no chance he stays away from that game, especially and he if it's close, right? <laughs> well, he can't text any of the coaches during the game. <laughs> You're going to be there. Just oh makes goodness. too much sense. <laughs> All right, now it's that time. Last week he used the wayward bee as an excuse. What's this week? A plague of ants? Don't don't joke about that. No, you you know I have a history with too ants. Soon? Yes, too very much too soon. Uh now I'm I'm rattled. Uh okay. So I do think the bee problem is under control. You know, colder temps, less bees, mother nature doing her thing, you know, all that good stuff. But instead of changing our flow, let me ask you a question. Our shows have been going well this year, right? They have. Why would you change? <laughs> Are you not superstitious? I mean, come on, man. Be serious here. Well, you put it that way. Here we go. We'd like to thank Wilcox coach Paul Rosa one last time for joining us and offer our weekly thank you to Coach Edson for being part of this ragtag ensemble. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items and links that we often include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at @sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at, at @sportsstarsmag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our theme music was performed and produced by Dustin Phillips. And that will do it. Let's hear your final thoughts, Ben. I will be brief. (laughs) Uh, No, I won't be brief. I'm never brief in this spot. Uh, I love my final thoughts. So it doesn't come as a rolling shock to anyone that we're going to point ourselves towards the big boys this week. You're headed to Dallas, Al Pittsburgh. I'm likely headed for the ice box that is Campbelland, Ohio for Cougs on Cougs action against Rancho Katati. But we're at the point in the season where I want to point out again, that small school football should not get ignored just because the schools aren't as big. In particular, I want to look at the North coast section division six playoffs where St. Mary's of Berkeley, who we profiled last week, will host Pinole Valley, and Salesian will take on Justin Siena. I know we spend lots of time trying to decipher where the competitive equity line starts and stops, but let's consider the case of Pinole Valley for a second. Coach Troy McConico took over a program that had fallen on a little bit of hard times and navigated them to a 5-4 and four regular season record. The Spartans beat Fortuna last week to advance, and they're going to finish with a winning record for the first time since 2019. Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, if it's the playoffs, then Chad Nightingale must have his Salesian pride ready to roll, and they knocked off Moreau Catholic in a 7-over-2 upset. I bring these schools up because there's a ton of connections between these three schools, and I think any combination of them, along with Justin Siena, will result in a great NCS final. I'll wrap up with a quick personal story. When I was a really young reporter, the first NCS football title game I ever got to cover was the 2005 NCS Class A Championship 
between number two Salesian and number five Ferndale at Miramani High School. Chase, the <laughs> 2005 Salesian football team. You know who was a junior on that NCS title team? I think I do. I'm going to go with one Javid Best. That would be a future NFL running back named Javid Best. That's my long way of saying <laughs> go see these games. You never know who you're going to find for the first time. That's it. That's where we're at in the season. And I wanted to talk about small school football. I share that sentiment greatly. Uh, and uh, another one that we'll definitely be talking about on the pick show, probably uh, in the Sackville Keys section, is Escalon at Sutter. Yep. Uh, two programs that have been great for several years. Uh, and this is the first year for Sutter moving from the northern section to the Sac Joaquin section. So uh, that'd be pretty cool if they can they can keep it rolling after winning so many in the northern section that they can come into the bigger section and and, and push some weight around too because they look pretty good so far. But Escalon would be the ultimate measuring stick for small school football in the SJS. So mm-hmm. we'll find out this week, right? Yeah, and it's you. we talk about small school football in relation to size of school, right? The computer right. doesn't care about your size of school. They're not the no romance in the in the Hal <laughs> Nine Thousand here. So yeah, we've both covered those games in far off places with communities that care about it just a little bit more, and they're playing for titles every single year. Escalon is the perfect example of that, um, and Salesian is the perfect example of that too. So yep. um, credit to those teams that are getting a shot and uh, get to play for titles next week. They're playing for the chance to play for titles this week. Yep. You'll see the base schools, you'll see the small schools. Uh, high school football can be good at whatever level. We know we enjoy it. So we will uh, hunker down now, do some more analysis, and get ready for our Thursday pickup show in a couple days. It's going to be great. <laughs> Until then, we will talk to you guys Thursday. Eighty-four was a good year for me. Were you born? Yes, sir. Oh my God! I was already coaching. You weren't even born yet. That's crazy.